Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, providing navigation services for clients with serious mental illness and chronic physical health conditions. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on August 28, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, T.J. Thurlow, patient navigator and clinical nurse at Trilogy Behavioral Healthcare, discusses best practices for providing navigation services. I just want to touch a little bit on the role of the navigator um, and specifically my experiences um, being a health, a health navigator um, and a nurse. Um, some of those uh, requ- uh, items require um, doing an assessments, either initial assessments or ongoing, um, participating in care planning, um, trying to engage uh, with the provider and other coordination uh, systems, uh, educating clients either in groups or individual therapy depending on their uh, individual needs, uh, reinforcement of illness self-management, self-management behaviors, um, making sure that they understand like what needs to be done um, and that they're actually understanding and able to follow through and do those things. Um, helping manage referrals, motivational interviewing, um, and then helping um, support them in choosing medications or understanding how to obtain their medications. Next slide, please. So uh, to talk about a little bit about the integrated health assessment, which is something that we use um, here with uh, nursing, is we try and assess the key client factors here, um, understanding their health literacy, uh, their ability to tolerate groups, what their specific um, health goals are. And so one, way, one thing that we really need to focus on is identifying client strengths and deficits. And strengths is sort of an obvious um, definition, but deficits is anything that is going to prevent or, or delay a client in being able to achieve their optimal, um, life, their optimal um, quality of life. This could be uh, intolerance, to group interventions or an inability to read. Uh, there are a number of other things that it could, could factor into this. Um, identifying external client support systems and then the cognitive level of your client is really important. If you have somebody who um, has limited eyesight or doesn't um, ha- has a fourth grade education or never went to school at all or is an immigrant and has never um, had any formal education in the United States, these are really important things to identify so that you can tailor your uh, interventions to your to your patient. Uh, align your goals with your patient's motivations. This is re- or your client motivations. This is really important to um, getting on the side of the client and identifying um, things that they actually want to work on. While we as as healthcare providers and navigators. Um, would love to see everybody quit smoking or um, be successful in their diabetes. Uh, sometimes that's not the client goal. And so you really need to like 
align your goals with the client's goals, and, and eventually if they experience some success with you and build some trust, they um, will come around to maybe identifying some of those things that you want to work with them on. Um, Evidence-based treatments are ideal, um, as was stated by um, Lori. Uh, delegate your responsibilities and your report, uh, your, your, for your support. Um, here within our organization, we have caseworkers uh, that see clients far more frequently than we do in the clinic. Um, so getting them to come in and so, um, support clients in the various things that they're doing. Um, whether it be checking their glucose, making, taking, making sure they're taking their meds effectively, reminding them to get to groups, or making sure they have transportation to get to a, um, to a support group um, is really helpful. And this also um, stems to like inspiring others to action. We really want to motivate our clients um, through our own actions and showing them that we're really motivated to seeing what they're doing will, is really helpful for um, them to be more successful. Next slide, please. So first we're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about smoking cessation. Um, one thing that we do after we have assessed a person's, um, with the integrated health assessment, we, I like to use motivational interviewing. Um, one tool that we um, use really commonly here is something called the readiness ruler. And it, um, as you can see on the slide, there's a picture of one on the, down on the lower right-hand corner. Um, we ask how confident they are in their ability to make a change and how important that change is to them. Um, this helps us to sort of get to the main reason of why they're quitting. If that reason is external, like my doctor says that I could quit, we find that it's much um, less realistic for them to be able to achieve that goal rather than them finding some sort of internal thing or internal motivation. Uh, smoking cessation aids, um, identifying a support group, uh, finding a medication that might work for them. Um, these are really important features, um, and these are conversations that we have with uh, the provider and the client together as navigators. Um, next slide, please. Um, prescription considerations uh, that make smoking cessation and getting, and getting people to be motivated in the moment um, that can be challenging are obtaining medications uh, for people. Uh, prior authorizations often miss the window of, a motiv of motivation for a client if they're in the office today and they say, I really want to quit smoking. Um, waiting that 24 or 48 hours for a, a prior authorization to be processed and approved or denied um, can often delay somebody, uh, somebody's attempt at um, quitting smoking by weeks or even months. Um, Grant, we, uh, we here use grants and other funds um, to obtain nicotine replacement therapy and other smoke, smoking cessation aids um, in the moment so that we can get people started while we're waiting for approval from, uh, from their managed care organization. Next slide, please. Um, we continue to support people in their attempts to quit smoking uh, throughout the process. Uh, Looking at people's goals and re and rechecking those goals is really important. Um, providing fact sheet, uh, educational materials like the tip sheets, um, stating what their symptoms are going to be, what their withdrawal symptoms are going to be, what sort of supports that they might need to be effect, uh, to be successful. Encouraging them to um, attend a group if they can tolerate one or are interested in doing that. Engaging with their peers and their other support systems. Um, is really important. Following practice guidelines and uh, following practice guidelines and customizing 
those guidelines to fit the client's uh, special needs are really important. Make, making sure that you're available for follow-up. Um, most people will attempt to quit smoking a number of times. Uh, if you can get them to like three months or so, they typically uh, face their first real struggles with like reintegrating into the parts of their social their social circles that triggered that often triggered smoking previously. So making sure that you really encourage them to continue to think think about their their being an ex smoker and continue to uh, celebrate those milestones with them uh, either months or years after they have uh, done a successful quit. It was really helpful. Next slide, please. So diabetes management uh, is the next uh, thing that we like to discuss. Uh, typically, on initial assessment, what will happen is uh, a provider will call uh, the client. The client will get a brief assessment from a client or from the, a brief assessment from their provider. Uh, they'll call the navigator, myself, into the clinic, and it will be a conversation between myself, uh, the provider, and the client, in an, sort of to get an idea of what where the client is in this moment and what they're doing, um, what they're willing to do, and what they're willing to try. And so that that's where we sort of started to individualize the care plan. Typically, I'll schedule a follow-up appointment after they have met, finished their appointment with their provider in, um, so that we can do some education. It might be you know, reviewing diet and exercise. It could be um, learning how to use your, the insulin pen for the first time or how to check, your blood, how to check their blood sugar even. Um, the next step in there is the is to initiate any prior authorizations that are required for, med uh, for medication management of their diabetes. That might be anything from uh, getting, obtaining their glucometer or any of their other durable medical equipment to getting an, um, a supply of medications. Um, next slide, please. Contin uh, ongoing support and education, reinforcing uh, illness self-management, encouraging them to check their blood sugar and check it often. Um, assess their understanding of what exactly the blood sugar, like checking their blood sugar means, making sure they know what hypo and hyperglycemia signs and symptoms are so that they can, um, they can assess themselves when they're out in the community and make sure that they are able to access healthcare um, in times of either very low or very high blood sugars, which um, can be medical emergencies. Make sure that you, um, if you generate a health plan with your client, uh, and you're encouraging them to make a food log or an activity log or uh, monitor their blood sugar in a, in a log form, it can be really helpful to um, review that information so that you can compare their blood glucose log readings to their diet and say, you know, these days that you ate pizza three for three days in a row, you notice that your blood sugars are much higher. Um, what do you think we could do to support you in um, trying to manage this a little bit better. What kind? Of, sort of eliciting ideas from the from the uh, client is really important. And then making sure that you're referring them to um, to resources that are important are going to be beneficial for them. Be that occupational therapy for learning how to cook more healthy meals, psychoeducation, um, learning learning more about their diabetes um, in a group or a personal setting, and then making sure that they have resources and food stability. Um, so if you have a homeless client, making sure that they know where their food kitchens are and things like that. <clears throat> 